So the question that this passage begs is why did they not recognize him? These guys had been traveling with Jesus for a while, not just walking on the road to Emmaus, but they were followers of him. How did they fail to recognize him? My original answer to this question was, well, obviously he looked different. He'd changed his appearance somehow. I wonder if that would have been a big change or a little change. Would he have suddenly grown a different moustache or cropped his hair? I don't know. It says in Isaiah, he had no beauty or majesty to, tr to attract us to him. Nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. Did he suddenly look like Brad Pitt? Interesting as this is to contemplate, it kind of misses the point. I don't believe that a change of appear, Jesus' change of appearance was the primary reason they didn't recognize it. I think also their failure to recognize Jesus was not unique to them. John's Gospel tells us he was in the world and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. Over 2,000 years ago, a man entered a party and changed the water into wine. Jesus Christ, God incarnate, entered the room and nobody recognized him. I've come to see that the disciples' failure to recognize Jesus had at least as much to do with their lack of spiritual discernment as it had to do with their change of appearance. It is tempted to, tempting to think that we should have been much, they should have been much quicker on the uptake and if we had been in their situation, surely we'd have gathered it was Jesus. After all, they did have some pretty good clues. For instance, Jesus told them quite often that he was going to die, but not to worry because on the third day he would be raised from the dead. And then earlier that day, the women had reported seeing angels, not an everyday recurrence, I believe. And the angels had said, he has risen from the dead. And then they sent the men to double-check that the women weren't making up, and they did find the empty tomb. There are quite a few hints. It does seem strange that they didn't even have an inkling at this point that it might be true. And as if that wasn't enough, they'd just spent the afternoon walking with him. How could they have missed it? I suppose it's easy to forget that they didn't have the advantage of hindsight that we do. Although they were followers of Jesus, they hadn't yet understood that he was God incarnate. They believed that he was just a man, a holy man, a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all people, but a man nonetheless. If they were unable to see who Jesus truly was prior to his death, why should they recognize him after his resurrection. And I know from my own experience that a close encounter with God doesn't necessarily mean you recognize him. When I was uh, about six years old, I had an experience of God. I came from a church-going family and I believed in God, but I definitely didn't believe in Jesus. I thought that was a fairy story. And I had never heard who the Holy Spirit was. They used to call him Holy Ghost. And that was a bit off-putting as far as I was concerned. Um, and so the God that I prayed to was creator and judge. And he was very scary. 
And he was not anything like the God of love that we know and worship. My experience happened at the end of a very long day and not a very good one. I had um, a not very great experience that left me very upset. And when it was bedtime, I went into my bedroom, shut the door and burst into tears. It was something I couldn't talk about with anybody else, so I felt really isolated. But I had been taught by my parents that before I went to sleep, I was to say the Lord's Prayer. So I thought I'd try doing that. But I didn't get very far. I started with, Our Father, who art in heaven. And I thought, hmm. Our Father, who art in heaven. What on earth good is that? The whole point of being a father is you're supposed to be present, you're supposed to comfort, you're supposed to love and support your children. Our father in heaven, I don't know where you are, but it isn't here. And I I thought, you know, what's the point of that? So I asked God, and uh, I said something like, "Mm, I think I believe you're God, but I don't really understand why I should say our father, because... It's, you're, you're not acting like my father. You're miles away, and I need somebody who's here now to comfort me. Almost immediately after they, the, those thoughts had sort of, I would say, come out of my mouth, I didn't actually verbalize them. It was more like a prayer, but I was completely filled with this sense of God's presence. Uh, I don't know, I wouldn't have said that at the time. I would have said I felt really peaceful and a real sense of love. Immediately stopped crying and um, drifted off to sleep. It was a really beautiful, amazing experience. But the thing is, I had no way of recognizing what it was. All I know is I suddenly felt peaceful and went to sleep. I didn't associate that with the scary God that I knew. So it was impossible to recognize him. And in fact, by the end of the week, I'd forgotten the experience altogether. And it wasn't until I became a Christian about 20 years later when I had a similar experience that I recognized the presence of God. But you could think it's quite strange. I'd actually prayed that I would know his presence. Then he turns up and I still don't get it. So we have to remember we have a distinct advantage in that we know the person who we're looking for whereas the disciples didn't know. It also helps for us that we know that we can expect God in our lives. The disciples didn't at all. When um, the bishop visited recently, how many of you were here for that? Is anybody here for the bishop's visit? I was here. I wanted to come and see who this new man was running the diocese, and I'm pleased to report he's amazing. We're very lucky. But as he was talking, he said that he had actually been on visitors a few weeks earlier, incognito. And I was a bit flabbergasted, to be honest, because I'm always at the back doing the coffee stuff and sort of watch everybody as they're coming in and out, and I didn't spot him. And nobody else mentioned to me that he'd been in visiting. I don't think he came in disguise. I didn't think he, he had sort of a Batman costume as he came in to not be noticed. I just think we weren't expecting him, so we didn't notice him. And that's a bit the situation that the um, disciples found themselves in. I've now completely lost my place in my notes. Hang on a minute. 
Yep, done that. It's going quickly, isn't it? Well, it is from up here, probably down there. feels like it's going quite slowly. Uh, yes, here we are. Yeah, and the other thing is, Jesus may well have told the disciples that he was going to be raised from the dead. But you know he spoke in parables a lot of the time. It would be easy to interpret that as some other way of thinking of things. So I don't think they thought, about, thought it was a literal statement. And it's clear from the passage that having witnessed Jesus' agonizing death on the cross, they didn't expect to see him again. Why would they? We all know dead men stay dead. They don't raise themselves from the grave, not if they're just a man. I doubt if it had ever entered their minds, they'd actually see him alive again, let alone have him walking with them. I think that goes some way to explaining why they failed to recognize him. But I have to say, as I think of those two men walking with Jesus for at least, well, for a long time anyway, we don't really know how long it is, I can't help but feel I'm jealous. What an amazing privilege to be able to walk and talk with Jesus as they journeyed. And what a shame that they wasted so much of the opportunity by failing to recognize him. The great news is, 2,000 years later, we have the same opportunity. We too can walk and talk with Jesus as we journey through life, if we want to. We may not see him in the flesh as the disciples did, but nonetheless, the Bible tells us that he is with us always. We never walk alone. We have the same opportunity, but on the flip side, we can make the same mistake. The fact is, we could go through our entire life without paying any attention to the presence of the one who walks with us. Jesus says, I've come so that you may have life in all its fullness. If I was to ask each one of you what life in all its fullness is, I'm sure I would get a different answer from every single person. There are certainly a lot of different things that make our life feel happy and full. But I know that knowing that we have God walking with us has to be one of the greatest of these. You see, without our divine companion, everything loses meaning. We are made for relationship with God. Nothing else can satisfy our hearts. In retrospect, the disciples realized that they recognized Jesus during their walk. They said, our hearts were burning within us when he talked with us on the road. As believers filled with the Holy Spirit, we too are equipped to recognize his presence. In fact, if we train ourselves to be sensitive to his presence, we can be conscious of him walking with us at all times. Brother Lawrence, a Carmelite monk from the 17th century, famously called this state of sensitivity, practicing the presence of God. I'm sure you're brilliant at it. I have to admit, I'm not as good as I would like to be. And there are times when I'm ashamed to say I get to the end of the day and feel I've hardly thought about him at all. What a waste. And then there are other times when I try and sense his presence, but I can't feel anything. I feel alone and abandoned. But it's important to remember, whether we feel that we've neglected to think about him 
or whether we can't sense his tangible presence with us. He's still with us. We can know with certainty that he never leads our side, for he's promised he will never leave us or forsake us. I believe it's important that we do everything we can to open ourselves to God's presence. Because intimacy with God is not only the key for our sense of fulfillment, but it's also the key for becoming who God has created us to be. It is as we become aware of his presence that we all, who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory, are being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory. And it is this transformation that God works within us that will impact those around us. So it will impact our ministry as well. There's something about knowing that God walks and talks with us that is profoundly life-changing. It is his presence in our lives that gives our hearts strength and courage and gives our journey purpose and vision. To live life without this intimate, personal relationship with God is to miss out on one of the most important elements of what Jesus did for us on the cross. Now, different people can sense God's presence in different ways. I know that for myself, worship is one of the ways in which I feel closest to God. And that's not surprising, because God says, when two or three are gathered together in my name, there I am. But also, when we worship, we make room for God. Through focusing our attention on him, we naturally increase our awareness of, his, of being in his presence. No matter how distance we may feel, distant we may feel from God, he has promised that as we draw close to him, he will draw close to us. And we will experience him in ever-increasing measures. Learning to soak in God's presence through worship is one of the most valuable things we can do with our time. It's when we spend time with God that we become who we are created to be. It's then that we become filled with his spirit and able to go out in his power and with his authority. Somebody had a picture when we were praying before the service and the picture was going out in the gardening and it was beautiful sunshine earlier and he looked and all the plants that had the direct sunlight on them had blossomed and they were like reaching out for God. And all the ones that were in the shade, the buds hadn't even opened. They were just like dry sticks. And that's a bit like us. That as we come into God's presence, we blossom and we become everything that he's created us to be. So I thought this evening it would be important to actually try and do that. To open ourselves to what God has for us. So I've asked Josh if he could come and... Um, lead us in some worship and what I would like to suggest that we do is that we open ourselves to the spirit and we ask him to come and fill us and prepare us for whatever lies ahead on our walk this week and the way I'm going to suggest we do this is that we stand up showing that we're expecting that he's going to turn up and that we open our hands out to say I'm open and I want to be touched by you as opposed to uh, yeah, come close. 
It's just like body language. And, close, and that we close our eyes so we're not distracted. But if you feel more comfortable sitting down, you do that. It's, it's, you do as you feel comfortable. So please stand.